Alexi Lafreniere is back with the New York Rangers on a two-year deal worth $2.325 million per season. Going to be discussing whether or not there's a fair deal for both sides. Also going to be looking at Lafreniere's career highlights as well as what he needs to work on and how the Rangers can best put him in position to succeed going forward. All this and much, much more on today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 890 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. just want to thank you guys, as always, for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. And we are, of course, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So just to go ahead, dive right into it here. Alexi Lafreniere, kind of the final domino to fall, the last piece of the puzzle, if you will, for this offseason for the New York Rangers. Obviously, there's always some players that are, uh, you know, being acquired and some players that are departing. And we've gone through all that the entire offseason. But really, given the Rangers' lack of cap space, they're now down to uh, just six figures in cap space remaining after this signing of Alexi Lafreniere. But we pretty much knew this is the last big thing that they were going to have to do. And it is now a done deal, officially official. Alexi Lafreniere back with the New York Rangers on a two-year deal that, once again, is worth $2.325 million per season. And once this two-year contract is up, Lafreniere will then be a restricted free agent heading into the 2025-2026 season. But we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Uh, For the time being, again, in a nutshell, I think it's a fair deal for both sides. I mean, get into uh, the reasons why in just a second. Uh, But first, I figure we might as well just go ahead, run through his stats and what he's done thus far as a member of the New York Rangers since being made uh, the number one overall pick just a couple years ago. Uh, Three seasons, 216 games, 47 goals, 44 assists. He is a plus five, a 15.1 shooting percentage. Although what was kind of, uh, I guess, a little bit concerning is he went from 17.3% two years ago as far as shooting percentage down to just 11.9 this past year. So a pretty steep drop there, uh, averaging 14 minutes, 25 seconds of ice time per night, 65 block shots, 292 hits, 91 takeaways against 82 giveaways this past season. Career high, 81 games played. Uh, Would have been 82, but he was actually a healthy scratch uh, for one game this past season. 16 goals, career high, 23 assists, career high, 39 points, a career best plus 10, career high, 15 minutes and 13 seconds of ice time per night, career high, 28 block shots, career high, 141 hits. And a lot of career highs there. And you'll be on just the stats, just the eye test. I do think that we just witnessed uh, the best season that Alexi Lafreniere has had thus far out of the three that he spent so far with the New York Rangers. That's assuming we take uh, the playoff numbers off the uh, off the board here or off the table, so to speak, because he really didn't do much of anything like a lot of Rangers in the playoffs uh, this past season. But overall, I, I think, you know, he is growing and he is getting better. You can say the same thing for uh, really the entire kid line. Filipino had his mini breakout uh, Capo Caco, I think has gotten better and better and more assertive as the years have gone by here. But as I've said multiple times on here, uh, whether it's Lafreniere or anybody I just mentioned, we don't want little baby steps going into this next season. We want these guys to really excel, really get to that next level. And I mentioned the playoffs just a second ago to run through those numbers real quick. First playoff run, which was two years ago, Rangers go to the Eastern Conference Final. 20 games for Lafreniere, two goals, seven assists, 
nine points and was a minus three. Uh, the second playoff run last year, obviously seven games, zero points, and he was an even plus minus and uh, just too many games where he was basically invisible. But uh, you hope that you get a little bit more. You know, if the Rangers get back to the playoffs, you get a little bit more of what we saw uh, during that first playoff run there. When the kid line, you know, uh, for a third line, did a great job. And there were nights where I think, you know, for sure they were the best line on the ice for either team. Uh, so some big time moments for the kid line two years ago. But as far as, you know, why I think this is a fair deal. I mean, look, Lafreniere, the hype was sky high. The expectations were sky high. Everybody was expecting Lafreniere to just hit the ground running. And basically, I mean, I'm exaggerating a little bit here to make the point, but basically everybody was expecting him to be Connor McDavid right out of the starting blocks. And obviously that did not happen. Uh, he's shown some flashes. He's shown some promise. And another point that I've made in the past, but I'll make it here because, you know, big news here for the Rangers. I'm hoping, you know, maybe we got a couple uh, new listeners here today, um, as well as the OGs and the, the everydayers, is when you look at Lafreniere, and you, again, you can say the same thing for Capo Caco as well. If you just look at them for what they are and what their age is and what they've done so far for the New York Rangers while mostly playing on the third line, and you just look at their numbers and you take draft status and expectations and hype off the table and you look at what they've done over the past handful of seasons here, I think you're feeling all right about this. You know, Alexi Lafreniere, again, he has not performed like a superstar by any stretch, but for a 21-year-old who is getting very limited time on the power play who his ice time isn't, you know, sky high either. And who's mostly played on the third line. Yeah. I mean, it's solid production overall. The issue though, is that Lafreniere, you know, when he's drafted, he goes number one overall. He's not here to just be, you know, a run of the mill standard third line player, which as far as points and offensive production are concerned, that's basically what we've gotten uh, throughout the first three seasons that Lafreniere has been a New York Rangers. And I, I know that, you know, people are, going to look to jump on the Rangers because you look at Tim Stutzla, same draft class. Stutzla went number three overall, and he's put up bigger numbers than Lafreniere. First of all, Stutzla's had more opportunities in terms of ice time and in terms of power play time. So that's first and foremost. But beyond that, you can't kill the Rangers for this. There, there are some things, some whiffs in the first round that they've had in recent seasons where you could jump on them a little bit for some of the mistakes that they've made. But Alexi Lafreniere, he was the consensus number one overall pick. He's the guy that virtually every GM in this league was going to take if they had the number one overall pick. So I really don't think you can get the Rangers or get on the Rangers case too much uh, for that one. As far as, uh, you know, some comps and, and is this deal fair? I feel like, again, they're always going to be linked because they were drafted just one year apart from each other and both very high draft picks. But to me, one of the easiest players you can compare him to is Capo Caco, his teammate. Uh, drafted one year apart. And as we've mentioned, uh, the stories are somewhat the same and somewhat intersecting even. Um, you know, obviously a lot of hype for both players and they haven't quite gotten there, at least as of yet. But Kako, at this time, or, you know, last year, got a two-year bridge deal that was worth $2.1 million per season. So I figured looking at that and looking at how the Rangers tend to do business, you'd be looking at a situation where Alexi Lafreniere gets something fairly comparable to that maybe right around 2.1 million, maybe just north of 2.1 million. And that's basically what happens here. Uh, he ends up getting $2.325 million. So right now, uh, Alexi Lafreniere going to be making 225K more than Capo Caco, although Caco himself will be in RFA at the end of next season. So we'll see how it shakes out at that point. And I know that, you know, Again, anytime somebody is drafted really high, they're always going to be linked to the players that were drafted near them. And, you know, Lafreniere one, Byfield two, Byfield's had some injuries and, um, you know, hasn't, I, I think, put his best foot forward either, kind of similar to Lafreniere there. Uh, but the guy that went number three, of course, was Tim Stutzla, who got that 
eight-year extension at $8.35 million per season. So Stutzla is currently getting about three and a half times what Alexi Lafreniere is getting. But I can't say that it's really unwarranted because, again, Stutzla has kind of uh, you know, been able to take advantage of the opportunities that he's had. And Alexi Lafreniere, I think we're still waiting uh, for that game-breaking, just excellent, um, you know, just all-around fantastic hockey player that we were basically all promised that we were getting uh, when the Rangers draft him. That's not to say that Lafreniere hasn't had his moments, hasn't done anything to help this team since he's been drafted because nothing could be further uh, from the truth. I've got a couple of plays I just wanted to run through real quick here. You know, I know we're all missing hockey right now. Uh, August, there, there's not a whole lot happening in terms of, you know, just transactions and trades and everything. We're through the draft. We're through, uh, you know, free agency season. Not a whole lot of trades. I mean, the Penguins got Carlson not too long ago, and uh, the Austin Matthews extension happened the other day. But for the most part, it's been a little bit quiet. So to just kind of uh, get everybody excited for this upcoming season, I thought it was only right that we go ahead and talk about some of Alexi Lafreniere's career highlights and just keep our fingers crossed that uh, there's more of this to come next season and beyond. But one of the first plays that always pops into my head is two years ago, that play against the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, moving from right to left on the screen, gaining the blue line, you know, moving uh, to his right was Alexi Lafreniere, playing the puck between his own legs and then backhanding it home into the net. Uh, one of those plays, it was in Madison Square Garden, and you can hear the crowd just audibly gasp when he did that. Before the goal was even scored, when they saw him uh, break out that move, uh, not everybody can pull that off. And that just is a reminder, you know, if you've been a little bit underwhelmed from some of the numbers that Lafreniere has put up uh, over his first handful of seasons here, that play in and of itself just a very uh, striking reminder of just how talented this kid really is. You know, not there's not many players that can pull off a move like that in a situation like that. And then this past year basically did the same thing against the Capitals. Uh, but in this case, he was actually going from left to right on the screen. But same thing, you know, moving to his right in the offensive zone, going between his own legs and uh, scoring on a backhand. Uh, just a fantastic goal. And one of those plays that, you know, it's going to be on every highlight show, top 10 plays, you name it, uh, that, that, a play like that is always going to get some attention and uh, go kind of viral, or at least somewhat viral. Is there any such thing as semi-viral? Because I think that might be a good example of it right there. Um, but as far as like big moments, so, you know, those, those goals were great and everything, but they weren't, they didn't necessarily come like in a playoff situation or uh, overtime or anything like that. He's had a couple of overtime game winners. You know, I think those get a little bit of an honorable mention here. Uh, there was one against the Flames this past season. Just a crazy scramble in front of the Calgary net. That was that game where, you know, Truba was hitting everybody and fighting everybody. And uh, the game was just wild, you know, back and forth the entire way. And Lafreniere, after making a great pass to set up his teammate, uh, the save was made. But Lafreniere kind of circled back, found the rebound, turned around, put it into the net. But as far as, like, just the biggest goal that he scored for the Rangers in the most important spot, I got to go back to two years ago, game five against the Pittsburgh Penguins. If you guys remember, obviously the Rangers were down three games to one at that time. And they were down two nothing in, in this game and getting late in the second period and looking like it was, they were going to go out with a whimper. Adam Fox scores to knock it down to two to one. And then Alexi Lafreniere scores what I believe is the biggest goal. It has to be. What, what could be bigger than this? The biggest goal that he scored thus far in his Ranger career. He ties the game. Just a hardworking blue collar shift from the kid line. Lafreniere had the puck a couple of times. Uh, Trubo was on the ice. He had the puck a couple of times, just keeping the play alive in the offensive zone, working very hard. You get Truba passing in deep to Capo Caco. Uh, Caco then kind of circles around behind the net, comes out the other side, and makes a really nice backhand pass to Lafreniere. Lafreniere uh, was in the right place at the right time, kind of crashed the net there and stuffed it in from the doorstep. And that 
you know, tied the game, put the Rangers back in the series at two to two. They went on to win that game, of course, that electrified Madison Square Garden and uh, just a huge moment, you know, just a huge moment with the team facing elimination and everything. And, uh, you know, for him to uh, come through in that spot, that was big. And that goal, I think, is also kind of a microcosm of some of the good things that Lafreniere has done with the Rangers. To me, he's somebody who you can tell, again, even though the offensive numbers aren't there, high hockey IQ. He does seem to have a knack for getting to the net. A lot of his goals are kind of of the dirty variety. You know, he'll be in there deep in the crease or near the crease, doesn't back down from any of that kind of stuff, and just kind of seems to have a feel for being in the right place at the right time. Keep an, keep an eye out for that this season, how many goals of his are scored that are kind of like that. Most of them aren't like these ridiculous highlight reel goals, which of course we would like to see more of, but a lot of them, it's just him using his hockey instincts, kind of having a feel for the game and just knowing where to be and just kind of being Johnny on the spot to receive passes uh, as he did from Capo Caco here in this situation. I think another one, as far as, you know, a big goal, big playoff goal, uh, the shift, quote unquote, that nickname got a little bit of steam. I don't know that it really like caught on in the mainstream, but Ranger fans kind of know this as the shift game one against Tampa Bay, really, really, really ridiculously long shift for the kids line. And, you know, just working their tails off to keep uh, possession in the offensive zone. And eventually, you know, Lafreniere got the puck to Kako. Kako had a great chance from the slot. Shot was turned aside. Play continues. Lafreniere took a shot that went just wide. Uh, he ends up getting the secondary goal. Lafreniere to Kako to Filipino for the goal. That put the Rangers up 4-2 against the Lightning. And they were well on their way to a win uh, in, that, in that game. And again, you know, it, it is impressive how often, you know, Lafreniere just seems to be in the right place at the right time. That's kind of what's led to a lot of the goals that he scored. And again, we'd like to see more highlight reel type goals, hopefully more on the way uh, for this upcoming season. And hopefully that comes with more time on the ice, maybe some time in the top six and uh, maybe some power play time as well, which kind of leads me in nicely to what I want to talk about next. And that is, you know, how best the Rangers can use Alexi Lafreniere to hopefully get the best out of him, at the very least get the best uh, season that he's had thus far in his NHL career, and uh, hopefully the best by a, a long shot, a landslide. Uh, we're going to talk about all that good stuff in just a second here. But first, got to let everybody know, today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Athletic Greens, the daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health, I drink it literally every day. I gave it a try because I wanted a supplement that actually tastes great. I wanted to see what all the hype was about. You know, a lot of my fellow Locked On hosts were drinking this stuff as well, and they were hyping it up pretty good. So I gave it a shot, and now I drink it every single morning. It's basically the first thing that I do every single day uh, before I do anything active, before I do the day job, before I record an episode of Locked On New York Rangers. Got to have my AG1, and I do that every single morning. AG1 is a foundational nutrition supplement that delivers comprehensive nutrients to support whole body health. AG1 replaces your multivitamin, probiotic, and more in one simple drinkable habit. And AG1 helps you build your health foundation first. All great athletes have one thing in common. They take care of their bodies. And a huge part of that starts with optimizing whole body health. A lot of them also drink AG1, and it's why I'm a huge fan. With every daily serving, I'm setting myself up for success with 75 high-quality ingredients that give me key daily nutrients and support energy, focus, strength, and clarity. It's a micro habit that delivers macro benefits and helps just about everybody take care of their health every day. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash NHL network. That's drinkag1.com slash NHL network and check it out. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, we just want to go ahead and thank everybody, as always, for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. And for the everydayers, definitely going to want to stick around. We're going to continue in our next episode, our best and worst case scenario series. Going to be taking a look at the second line of, or, you know, what could be the second line of Panarin, Trocheck, and Wheeler. That will be our next episode. Definitely looking forward to that. But for right now, let's keep the focus on Alexi Lafreniere and specifically how to best use him if you're the New York Rangers going forward. And one of the first things that pops into my head and something that I don't think I'm going to have to twist a lot of arms out there to get you guys to agree with me. Um, and you never know for sure. I mean, there, there's some people that, you know, are, are going to say that opportunities have to be earned and, and, you know, you know, that whole, you know, story. But uh, the first thing I'm going to say more power play time. And again, I think a lot of people are going to be on board with this. Uh, look, the Ranger power play last season was very good. But I always just found it interesting how the Rangers never wanted to mess with that top unit, at least not before the trade deadline. Obviously, they messed with it after they had Tarasenko and Kane. But for the longest time, pretty much the entire regular season, it was the same five players on the top power play unit every single season. And on one hand, there was good reason for that. They were ranked number seven this past year. 24.1 success rate on the man advantage were the Rangers. Um, but there were times last season where they just weren't consistent. They went through some pretty lengthy slumps. And it never really seemed to make any difference in terms of who was on the top power play unit or in terms of how much of the power play the top unit gets and how much of the power play the second unit gets. It was not only was it not rare, it was common to see the Ranger top power play unit be out there for a minute 30, a minute 40, maybe the entire two minutes if you get enough play stoppages and, you know, just whatever factor it might be. Maybe there's a play that just continues and continues and the top unit stays out there. So whether you were Lafreniere or anybody else um, on the second unit, you just weren't going to get that many opportunities on the power play. And I think uh, whether it's Lafreniere or anybody else that was mostly on the second power play, I mean, the goal you could count on one hand the amount of goals that the second power play unit played or scored last season. And on one hand, yeah, you got to take advantage of the limited opportunities you get. But on the other, it's tough when you're on, the, on a power play unit and you're going out there with just 20 seconds left on the power play and the puck's behind the Ranger net. And, you know, you, you need Truber or somebody to carry it up the ice. Uh, tough to make anything happen in a situation such as that. So I would like to see Alexi Lafreniere get more time in the power play. He doesn't necessarily have to be on the top unit. But I'm hoping this year there's a little bit more, a little bit more of an even split between the two units. And, you know, that, that's not to say it has to be exactly a minute for the top power play unit, exactly a minute for the second power play unit. But give me a little bit of a mix and actually kind of respond to what you're seeing out there. And I think that's one good thing about Peter LaViolette. Uh, he makes everybody earn their ice time, whether it's 5v5 or the PK or the power play. That's kind of his reputation. And so... Yeah, if the second power play unit, if there's a game where the top unit is struggling and not really making anything happen, but the second unit is kind of clicking and getting close to scoring, I think uh, the ice time for those two units will reflect that. So one way or another, I would just like to see Lafreniere get a little bit more of an opportunity on the power play. Naturally, if that happens, his uh, offensive production and his point total, they're only going to increase. Uh, another way that I think you can get the most out of Alexi Lafreniere, and I'm not saying that you have to do this, but it's an idea. And the more I think about it, the more I'm almost talking myself into it, despite how I have uh, the lines lined up in our best and worst case scenario series. What about having Alexi Lafreniere on the second line at right wing? Again, the more I think about this, the more I kind of talk myself into it. You know, one issue that Lafreniere has had, and this is not to blame for, you know, every single, you know, reason why Alexi Lafreniere has scuffled and not lived up to the hype thus far. Um, but one issue that he's had 
it's tough for him to crack the top six because standing in his way are Chris Kreider and Artemi Panarin. The Rangers, when they got the number one overall pick, it wasn't a usual situation. I mean, they weren't a great team then, obviously, but they also weren't like a bottom feeding team, a team that just, you know, the cupboard is bare and there's nothing to get excited about. And okay, here's the, the first overall pick to be the savior. It wasn't like that. There were, there were still some good players, obviously Kreider and Panarin being among them. And yeah, you know, you could put Lafreniere on the top line, but then you got to drop Kreider down to the third line or move Kreider to the right wing. What about just putting Alexi Lafreniere on the right wing, on the Artemi Panarin line. You can go Panarin and then take your pick between Trocek or Hedl. I'd probably lean Trocek just a little bit, but you go Panarin, Trocek, and Lafreniere. We saw that trio play together during some of the early portions of last year, and they look pretty good together. And honestly, you know, as far as uh, Lafreniere playing the right wing instead of his natural left wing, that's something that I've been hesitant about in the past. But when you watch him play, there hasn't been any noticeable drop-off where he goes from left wing to right wing. And if anything, I think some of his better hockey, at least at times, has come while being on the right wing. And uh, that trio that I just mentioned that was the Rangers' second line for a spell last year, uh, Panarin, Trocek, and Lafreniere, when those three were together, uh, I think that's a good example of that. And again, if you do this, you allow uh, Alexi Lafreniere to get what I have uh, kind of coined the Panarin bump. We have seen everybody that plays with Artemi Panarin see an uptick in production. We've seen everybody that plays with Panarin uh, at least be relevant from an offensive standpoint, just about everybody, uh, whether you want to talk about, you know, Trotrek this past season, having a higher point total than he's had in quite some time. Uh, Ryan Strom obviously played better with the Rangers than any other team that he'd ever played on. Um, you know, Jesper Faust, who was and still is known as mostly a defensive forward, um, you know, he obviously got involved in the offense as well. Barkley Goodrow was there for a time last year. You can even go with somebody like Colin Blackwell, who could barely stick in the NHL and then at least chipped in a little bit offensively when he was playing with Panarin. So, you know, of all those players I just mentioned, you throw somebody like Alexi Lafreniere, the kind of talent that he has, the kind of draft pedigree that he has, and you put him out there with Artemi Panarin, I can't help but think that he's going to see an uptick in production. So again, right now I'm, I'm kind of sticking, you know, for the purposes of our best and worst case scenario series, I'm sticking with Panarin. Trocek and Wheeler, but the more I think about it, the more I kind of start to feel good about maybe putting Alexi Lafreniere out there uh, with Panarin and presumably Trocek. Uh, one other thing that I want to mention here, and it's kind of a, a reason for optimism uh, when it comes to Lafreniere, we've seen him, you know, have chemistry and seem to click with a lot of different players on the Rangers. Again, this is in spite of the fact that the offensive numbers aren't always there. You know, we've seen him obviously with the kid line that we mentioned this uh, earlier in today's episode where you know, during that playoff run, there were nights where they were the best line out there and they're kind of the Rangers energy line or, or so they are when they're together. Um, we've seen, as I just mentioned, he seemed to click with Panarin and Trocek when those three were together for a short time last season. And we've also seen um, him and Mika Zibanejad. I really think if you take the kids out of the equation, Lafreniere and Zibanejad, they haven't had a ton of ice time together, but it just feels like, they have a, a feel for each other out there. They have a sense of where the other one's going to be. And, uh, you know, a lot of nice, you know, passing exchanges between the two of them. I wouldn't mind uh, seeing that, you know, be an option as well. Um, you got some options. That's the bottom line. But uh, I am kind of hoping that the Rangers, and this isn't just Lafreniere. This is kind of a, a bigger picture kind of thing. I am hoping that there is a little bit more line stability this year with Peter Laviolette than there was last year with Gerard Gallant. That's, you know, a nitpick that I had about Gallant, and I think a lot of other uh, Ranger fans as well, is that, man, he got really trigger-happy with the uh, the line combinations this past season. So whatever the Rangers do go with, I'm hoping they give it time, they let the chemistry build, they let everybody gel, and uh, they roll with, you know, whatever line combinations are out there on opening night, give it at least a few games, let these guys get a feel for each other, let them go out there and uh, do what they do. 
one other thing that I think could really help Alexi Lafreniere, and this is something that Lafreniere has to take upon himself. It's not just on the Rangers. Uh, I'm hoping they work with him on his skating. Now, I am not a scout by any stretch of the imagination, but a lot of the articles that I've read about Alexi Lafreniere, you know, there will be scouts quoted in these articles. And a lot of them say that one of the things that needs the most work in Alexi Lafreniere's game is his skating. And again, I'm not a scout, but when I watch these games, do I see skating from Alexi Lafreniere that like just blows my mind and, and just, man, he's, he's just weaving right around everybody and, uh, you know, just, just great balance and, and great speed. Now I'm not seeing really any of that. Uh, just kind of an average skater, nothing that really stands out one way or the other. I, I do think he plays hard and I think he hustles, but yeah, I, I think if his skating improves, uh, that'll only uh, help him in the long term as well. And it's one of those things, hopefully he's working on it in the off season and uh, hopefully the Rangers, that's a point of emphasis with Alexi Lafreniere as well. So going to keep everything rolling in just a second. I want to go ahead and talk about actually a reason to be nervous about the Rangers after this uh, re-signing by Alexi Lafreniere. I'm going to explain what I mean by that. It's a little vague. I get that. But I'm going to explain what I mean by that in just a second. All right. So what is a reason to be nervous about this re-signing of Alexi Lafreniere? And I don't want to like damper the mood here. I think most people are excited about this. Most people think that Lafreniere has more to give and he is a player that will continue to improve. I happen to share that sentiment. Um, but a reason to be nervous about this is you look ahead at what's coming down the pipe for the New York Rangers as far as their own free agents in the next two off seasons combined. So next off season, you've got Kako, Lindgren, Braden Schneider, all three of them are restricted free agents. All three of them presumably will be looking at a raise. I mean, Lindgren's at 3 million. You might be able to get him around that price tag, but I think at the least he'll get at least a little bit of a raise from that. Uh, Kako's at 2.1. He'll probably get a raise. Schneider, you know, he's on his ELC, so uh, he'll get a raise from that as well. So you got those three to deal with. And then the offseason after that, you've got Lafreniere and Keandre Miller. They're both restricted free agents. And Igor Shesterkin at that time will be an unrestricted free agent. So... And there are other free agents other than the ones I just mentioned, but, you know, they're role players. Obviously, guys like, you know, Wheeler and Bonino and Gustafson, they're all on one-year deals. And, you know, it won't take that much to resign them if you want them back. And, you know, really, they're they're not part of the Rangers' long-term plans, I don't think. Um, they're just kind of here to fill a role for the time being. So you don't worry too much about free agents like that. But uh, the guys I just mentioned, the three from uh, this upcoming offseason and the three for two offseasons from now, uh, that's a lot. And... Every single one of them, I would imagine, are going to be looking at a raise from what they currently make. And the Rangers are in a position right now where they're only about 700K under the salary cap. So you hear all that, and it's like, man, how in the world are the Rangers going to hang on to all these players, all of whom, or at least most of whom, are going to be due for a raise? How are they going to hang on to all these players and somehow, some way, against all odds, stay under the salary cap? Now, the one thing that's in the Rangers' favor, and pretty much the favor of every team in the NHL, is the salary cap is expected to jump. Uh, by quite a bit next offseason, or at least compared to you know what it did this past offseason. It only went up a million this past offseason. So uh, fingers crossed that that indeed is the case. But yeah, I mean, look, a lot of young, talented, very important players that I just mentioned here. I'll, I'll run through the list one more time. Kako, Lindgren, Schneider, and then that that's after this offseason or this season. And then two offseasons from now, Lafreniere, Miller, and Igor. Yeah, that that's a lot of very, very important players for the Rangers. And I just can't uh, see a situation where the Rangers are going to be able to afford to hang on to all six of those players. Uh, we'll see. And again, that's a conversation for a different day, but we talk about difficult decisions that the Rangers are going to have to make. Uh, yeah, that's one that's going to be uh, coming down the pipe for sure. We kind of thought that would happen this off season and they found a way to uh, pretty much keep the team intact, keep everybody that they wanted to keep. 
obviously you were probably never going to be able to hang on to you know, Kane and Tarasenko and I, I guess now even Tyler Mott. But um, yeah, for the most part, the team is still intact. But sooner or later, uh, the money's just going to be too tight and you're going to have to lose somebody you just don't want to lose. And it, again, I just can't see a way that the Rangers are able to hang on to all six of those players um, in the next two off seasons combined here. But this is a good day. Like I said, I don't want to put a damper on anything. I think most Ranger fans are happy to have Lafreniere back. And I think the Rangers have a heck of a team. We did an episode not too long ago, just this past week, where I kind of compared and contrasted the Rangers opening night roster from last offseason to what seems like it will be the Rangers opening night roster for this upcoming season. And I had a feeling that this year's opening night roster would be better than last year's, but I wasn't you know, preparing for it to be as lopsided as I think it ended up being. I mean, you had, and again, look, the guys that the Rangers acquired at the trade deadline, we're, we're not including anybody in this discussion here. But, you know, last year, you had guys on the opening night roster like, you know, Reeves, who I was a big fan of, but you know, his time kind of came and went with the Rangers. Uh, Ryan Carpenter, Sammy Blay, Libor Hayek, those were all guys on the opening night roster last year. And now I, I think they've been replaced by, you know, some veteran players. And then you've got guys like Lafreniere, Kako and Hedl, who should be counted on to continue to get better, continue to grow as far as defensemen. I mean, you could throw Miller and Schneider in there uh, as well, for sure. Um, so again, I, I think the Rangers, I think they got a heck of a team and I think they're in a better position right now, this off season than they were last year during last year's off season, even though they went further in the playoffs two years ago uh, than they did this past year. So definitely looking forward to the season. I know I'm certainly not alone there. Um, and yeah, I mean, I figured we could pretty much call it there. I did want to mention trade deadline cap space because I know a lot of people are going to look forward and, okay, what can the Rangers do? Can they afford anybody at the trade deadline? So per an article for from Vince Mercogliano, the Rangers are looking at more than $3 million in cap space uh, for this upcoming trade deadline. Now, that's not obviously an enormous amount of money. It's going to handcuff you a little bit, but that is enough to make, you know, one significant move or two minor moves if you want to do that. Uh, the other factor that could be at play here is that the Rangers, you know, th this is all being done. These numbers are all the result of the Rangers presumably playing with 22 players this upcoming season. If they want to go with 21 players for a spell and bank a little bit of cap space, that's a road they could look to go down as well. Uh, we saw that this past offseason, or not offseason, but during the season, when the Rangers were going with 21 players to bank some cap space and be able to afford to acquire Patrick Kane. Uh, and then they, of course, ultimately did that. So we'll see. There could be a time where they go with just 21 players and, like I said, bank some cap space, open up some more possibilities for the trade deadline. But we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. And as I mentioned in the intro, it feels like the Rangers offseason is pretty much done at this point. This is the last piece of the puzzle, the last big thing that the Rangers needed to do. And when you've only got 700K in cap space, your hands are pretty much tied. There's, there's not really anything you can do because that's less than the league minimum. So, I mean, that that's kind of where things stand as of now. That You have your team here. I'm very excited to see these guys in action, uh, you know, in the preseason, but certainly the regular season um, once that begins. And then I figure uh, to pretty much just wrap up today's show, I just wanted to mention fantasy hockey. So I'm going to be away uh, this upcoming week. So I'm going to go ahead and mess with the league settings the week after that and add some of you guys that have reached out to me about being first-time players in the league this upcoming season. We're going to get you guys a spot. But like I said, I'm going to be doing that in two weeks. Everybody's uh, place in line is secure, and uh, we're going to have a lot of fun uh, fantasy hockey this upcoming season. So that's where things stand there. And, yeah, like I said, I figure we could pretty much call it there for today. If you guys want to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. 
definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that's at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. And definitely subscribe to Locked on New York Rangers YouTube channel. Thanks again, guys. I will see you next time.